0: Hey, what's up, everybody? It's your favorite quarterback hater, Robert Mathis, and you're listening to the For the Culture Podcast.
1: This is the For the Culture Podcast. I'm your host, Luke Diamond, with my man, Jason Spears. Guys, we're just 10 days away from Colts football. Week one Colts Jags, September 13th in Jacksonville, a week from this Sunday. And this Saturday will be the roster cut down to 53 as we get this roster ready for week one against the Jags. And with football right around the corner, you know what that means. More content on the For the Culture podcast. So please make sure to subscribe to us on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Radio.com, Google Play, iHeartRadio, all your favorite podcasting platforms. And if you're listening on YouTube, please make sure to hit the notification bell to get a notification every time we drop a podcast. Hit the like button and leave a comment. It'll really help out the channel. And Jason and I would really really appreciate it so with roster cutdowns on saturday we're going to highlight the five position battles to round out the 53-man roster which we think right now have the most controversy surrounding them so let's start off with the wide receiver position the first question is do they carry five or do they carry six obviously ty Pittman, pascal campbell are locks to make this roster the first four guys Do we carry five? Do we carry six? And looking at the four guys competing for those two spots, Johnson, Fountain, Patman, and Doolin. So... You look at Marcus Johnson, eight games last year in 2019 for the Colts, made six starts, had 17 receptions for 277 yards and a pair of touchdowns. Darius Fallon, a player we really haven't seen all that much of. There's really no tape on. Fallon got hurt last year during the preseason, was having a good camp, was having a good preseason up until the point of his injury, missed the entire season. So we really haven't seen Fallon other than the second half of that chief playoff game in 2018 where he dropped the walk-in touchdown at the end of the game. You have Desmond Patman, a sixth-round pick coming out of Washington State, six foot four, two hundred twenty-five pounds, a big body, big frame, wide receiver. He had a really solid career at Washington State: one hundred fifty-six receptions for one thousand nine hundred seventy-six yards and thirteen touchdowns. And then you have Ashton Doolin who's more of a special teams guy. So if we carry six, is that sixth spot for a special teams guy? Most likely. So you have a guy like Doolin, that fifth spot, you're probably going to want a guy with experience. You have Johnson, and then you have Patman and Fountain, two talented, young, inexperienced guys, those four guys battling for definitely one, potentially two spots to round off the wide receiver core on the Colts 53-man roster.
0: Yeah, I mean, for me, I'm going to keep five. I, I, I like Marcus Johnson. I thought he was really good last year. The the four guys are locks, obviously. For me, Johnson, showing what he did last year, I thought really played well. His numbers didn't show it, but I thought he, he, was, he was open a lot, just wasn't thrown to. And I like his experience, his speed. He knows the offense. I think with Phillip Rivers, if he had to play, he would absolutely put up much better numbers than he put up last year with Jacoby Brissett. If they do decide to keep six guys, obviously I think it comes down to three people. I think it comes down to Doolin, who I know the Colts like. Uh, it comes down to Fountain, who's you know in year three and hasn't really—I mean, he had a really great training camp last year and then a devastating injury, so we don't really know where he's at. And then Patman, who's kind of the wild card guy, who has great size and speed combination, who I I think could be a real difference maker given a chance, but I'm not sure if he's If he's ready to make that jump right now, I think he's extremely raw. So if they keep a sixth guy, I really don't know who you go with because I haven't seen – obviously not being able to see preseason games or training camp really, I couldn't really venture a guess. I mean, I guess I could guess, but for me, I think you just keep the five that are known and and go with that.
1: Yeah, and I also think it's interesting to think about – the practice squad, and which guys would get picked up. Because if you look at Doris Fallon, he doesn't have the tape up until this point where if you were to cut him, nobody would claim him. And I think it'd be pretty easy to get back to the practice squad if you're the Colts looking at Fallon. Probably the same thing with Patman and the same thing with Doolin. So I think the Colts are in an advantageous position here where you're not biting your nails hoping one of these guys gets back to the practice squad. If you were to cut one or all these guys outside of Johnson, I think they would get back to the practice squad. So I think that could be another reason why You keep Johnson because, A, he's got more of the veteran presence. He's been there before. He has tape. We know what he's capable of doing. So if you do need him to play, you could expect him as your fifth wide receiver to go out there and produce because he's produced in the past. Fallon, we haven't seen him produce. Patman, obviously, is a rookie. We haven't seen him produce. Doolin, more of a special teams guy. But three guys also that you're very confident could get back to the practice squad and you could be able to retain them in 2020 if you wanted to go that route.
0: Yeah, I think that's what they'll do. I think they're going to keep the five guys they know can go out there and absolutely perform if, if given the chance. And with the three guys, you just don't know what you would get. Fountain hasn't done anything. Patman, I think, is probably too raw. And Doolin's really just a special teams guy. He really hasn't done anything as far as the offense goes. So, for me, that's why I'm going with five. But I wouldn't be shocked if they kept six. I mean, a guy like Patman is just such a size-speed matchup problem maybe they go with him maybe they give him a shot but i just for me i think i think they go five
1: yeah especially you look at patman and he has that big frame almost more of a tight end frame at 6'4 225 a little bit light but almost more of a tight end type of frame and then you look at the tight end position which we're going to get into next with burton going down reich said he's going to miss the first few weeks it brings up the question who's the number three tight end in the past we've seen reich and ballard carry four tight ends going into this year we expected it to be three with doyle cox And Burton, now there won't be Burton for the better part of the month of September, which means there's going to be a third tight end carry that could also potentially help patman make the roster if they want another big body wide receiver and they carry six receivers but if they're going to carry a third tight end which i think we both anticipate them doing the guy we're looking at right now is xavier gramble because of the experience you look at a lot of the back end tight ends right now on the colts roster not a lot of nfl experience with gramble the last four years he was on the pittsburgh steelers roster he was playing made seven starts had 23 receptions 239 yards three touchdowns, also has the ability to help you out on special teams. So just in terms of experience, when you look at the back-end roster after the three guys we had making this roster with a healthy Burton, not a lot of experience outside of Grimble. That should help him get that third spot in this tight end core.
0: Yeah, I think that's the difference-making spot for or the difference-making reason for why I think Grimble makes the team is he's got experience and you right now we've got two healthy tight ends. If one of those guys goes down, do you really want to throw a rookie out there and ask him to do all the things that we ask our tight ends to do, which is to block and know all the pass routes and do all those things? I don't think so. So you put a guy like Grimble out there He's been in the league. He knows how to play. He knows you know he knows the fundamentals of the game. knows how to handle himself. knows how to prepare. For me, that's the reason why I keep him. and And then he can hold it down until Burton gets back. and And I think that's your best case scenario. Like Luke said, they, maybe maybe they go another route. They only keep two tight ends and keep the extra receiver and go with you know thirteen personnel most of the time. But we'll see what happens. I, I mean, I, I there are two tight end offense, so I think it. I, and I think it behooves them to play that way but you never know maybe they switch it up and come out with three wide receivers you just never know with Frank Reich I, I, I mean but for me I think I go with that extra tight end you know Grimble until Burton gets back just because you you always want to be prepared for whatever you get into a game where you need to run the ball you need to have that third tight end if somebody goes down so I think Grimbles the guy I think they keep him and and hopefully Burton gets back sooner than later because honestly I think he's the most underrated signing of the year. I think he's going to have a breakout year with the Colts and ha- and bounce back to his uh Philadelphia form. Sadly the injury bug bites him early and so obviously that's going to affect us and affect him uh early on in the season but hopefully you know he gets back sooner than later and we can get rolling because I think he's you know Burton's going to be a big part of our offense when he when he gets back to 100%.
1: Yep. And it's a position we passed on in the draft. Going into the draft, we were looking tight end. Then we signed Burton right before the draft. I think the day before the draft, I think the same day we re-signed Marcus Johnson. So we were about to go into the draft with only really Doyle and Cox on this roster. Then we signed Burton. We elect not to draft a tight end. And Doyle also was battling a neck injury throughout the course of August. So It's really not a position you want to go into with two to begin with. And then on top of it, Doyle was battling a neck issue in the month of August. And then last year, Cox was all banged up. So definitely leaning towards three. I think we could actually lock in the fact that the Colts will carry a third tight end. I don't think they go out of house. I think they stay in house with Gramble. But I think you could pretty much lock it in that the Colts will have three tight ends on the roster going into September and then waiting for Burton to get back healthy.
0: Yeah, I think it's smart to carry three three tight ends, and I think Grimble will be the guy. Yep.
1: Now, taking a look at the offensive line of position, we've talked a lot about, Jason, because when you look at this Colts team, the strength of this team, the reason why a lot of people outside of Colts nation think this is a team that's going to be able to go out there and win 10, 11 games, this team's going to find their way into the playoffs, and it really starts up front, but we've talked about it time and time again on the podcast that although the biggest strength of this team is the offensive line, You could argue, and I think you could argue it very easily, the biggest weakness of this team is the offensive line on the flip side because the backups were very, very thin. So we have a great starting five on the O-line. We don't have a lot of depth to show for it. We lost Josh Andrews. We lost Joe Haig. So we lost a lot in terms of depth, depth we didn't need last year, but depth, you know, knock on wood, we don't need it this year. But the chances are you're going to need your backup O line eventually to get 32 consecutive starts out of Costanzo Nelson, Kelly, Glowinski Smith is a lot to ask for. So, you look at the offensive line, the starters Costanzo Nelson, Kelly, Glow Smith obviously they're all safe. Then, you look at the backups. I think the first tackle we could say safe is LaRaven Clark. Now, this time last year, this time two years ago, three years ago, never thought I would be saying that Clark is an automatic lock to make this roster. But when you look at this o-line depth chart at the moment clark is a lock he is your third tackle for the time being and he could also play a little bit of guard so he's a lock to make this roster pinter the rookie a lock to make this roster as a backup guard and then you bring up a couple questions do we carry eight do we carry nine and who is the eighth who would potentially be the ninth if we carry nine is it hunt is it patterson is it o'donnell as we round out the O-line room with that eighth and potentially that ninth offensive lineman?
0: It's a great question, Luke. And as I went through my roster, I I kept eight. And the eighth guy is Hunt, and the reason why is he's got experience. We just recently picked him up. He started in the league, and I think the Colts want to have somebody that can back up Kelly, that can come in. And center is a very important position. All positions are important, clearly. But center is very important in an offense on an offensive line because they call out the, you know, the blocking schemes and all that stuff. And Hunt knows how to do all that. He's got the experience. He started, I think, in Seattle. So I, I think the Colts want to go with somebody that's got that experience to back up Kelly. I like Patterson a lot. I think Patterson can play in this league. I think he should be on this roster. I, I've heard good things about him coming out of, of training camp. Obviously, we haven't seen him play, so I can't say. That's firsthand knowledge, but I just don't think he makes this roster. Uh, I think there's other places where we, we use guys or we use up roster spots. I mean, we're going to use Eason, a spot for Eason, obviously. So I think there's going to be guys that, that are NFL caliber players that don't make this roster because it's a great – I mean, we're better. I, I like Penter a lot. I think he's going to be a, a really good player. I think Hunt is good enough. Uh, I mean, he's, he's played in the league. He's started. That's solid depth at, at center, and I think Patterson can play. so I think our interior spots, I think the depth is okay, but the position that scares the crap out of me is offensive tackle, because Clark, if you have to play him at left tackle, that is scary, because you're going to obviously have to put Moally Cox out there next to him to help him every game, or you're going to get because we don't have a guy that can move. So no. you would have to put, if, if Costanzo goes down, I, I would guess they'd probably slide Smith over and play Clark at, at right tackle. I don't I do know. That's what I think, Jason.
1: I think you'd because, have to start playing musical chairs. I think you have to. You don't want to get too crazy and now move Nelson from his all-pro position, bounce him out wide. You don't want to do that. But I think Smith, depending on the injury, if it was a week for Costanzo, maybe you don't play musical chairs. Or if he leaves mid-game, maybe you don't. But if you were to miss an extended period of time, I think Smith to left tackle and then plug-and-play Clark at right tackle would have to be the move.
0: Yeah, because Clark can't play left tackle. We've seen it time and time again. Speed rushers kill him, just absolutely kill him, and you'd have to play – I mean, basically Mo Alley-Cox would be a sixth offensive lineman. He would never – I mean, he would know – okay, well, the ball's not going to 81 because he's got a block. So, I mean, it would put the Colts' offense, it, it, like, tie one hand behind their back because they'd have to keep that extra guy in there because you you got to protect your quarterback. And if your left tackle's horrible, and I'm not ready to say that Raven Clark is even serviceable at this point because I haven't seen it, and until I do, you know, I'm going on film. And he has not been serviceable since, since he's been in this league. Now, that's not saying he can't be. I'm hoping that he is. But based on what I've seen, he's atrocious at left tackle. And so you would have to play that guy, you know, Mo Alley over there and give him help and it would just make our offense and you and you have no choice because Phillip Rivers cannot move. Oh yeah. And if you leave him back there, he would get killed. That's a nightmare scenario. I pray that our tackles stay healthy. I want everybody to stay healthy, but Costanzo His health is the most, almost most important thing on this offense. Maybe aside from, I don't know, man. He might be the most important guy as far as he cannot get injured because that will screw up our entire offensive line. Like with Nelson, you can put Penner in there. Is he as good as Nelson? Obviously not. But he's, you know, solid enough that, you know, he could make it work and Kelly could help him. But you put put Clark in for Costanzo, that's a nightmare scenario in my mind.
1: No question. Like you said, we have a quarterback who can't move. Not that we ever wanted Luck or Brissett to get hurt, but those were big, strong, physical guys in their 20s. You have a 38-year-old quarterback who can't move in Phillip Rivers, so you really don't want to have to get him off his mark and move around. You don't want him to get hit. So it's really important that you protect him. And then in terms of drop-off, I don't think there's a bigger drop-off on this roster than Costanzo to Clark. If Phillip Rivers were to go down for a game or two, we have a quarterback who I'm pretty confident could go 500 with this team, maybe a game over 500 in Jacoby Brissett. You don't want him to start a long period of time, but if he had to plug and play for a week or two, you expect to go 1-0, and 2-0, 1-1. You expect to stay afloat. And then the same thing like you said about Nelson, there's a huge drop-off from Nelson to Pinter. But it's not as catastrophic, in my opinion, as Costanzo to Clark, and the same thing if Leonard were to go down to Okariki. It's a huge drop off, but it's not the same type of drop off or Walker to Okariki or pretty much anybody on this roster. That Costanzo to Clark drop off is terrifying.
0: Yeah, it's scary, and that's I mean that's that that's my honestly, and, and we've talked about this all off season. I I bitched and moaned about. Not getting a le- not getting a tackle in the draft when there was one available, I-, I was begging him to go out and and get somebody in free agency with some actual positive film to you know play tackle. It scares the crap out of me. It is the biggest for me the biggest fear of this year's team is Costanzo getting hurt because yeah. if that happens, we're either going to have musical chairs and that's never good. Or Raven Clark simply played left tackle, and that's even worse. So, to me, that is my number one. Like that's the biggest thing. If we can stay healthy at tackle, I think we go. We win ten, eleven games if we stay healthy at tackle. If we don't stay healthy at tackle, that changes our season in my opinion because we we have we basically have a four year old quarterback that can't move, a statue, and you're going to have a guy that is one of the worst I've seen dealing with speed rushers protecting them and that's playing left tackle where all you see is speed rushers it would just just be a recipe for disaster and that's if he plays left tackle then if you move I mean you move Smith to left tackle you don't I mean I don't know how Smith deals with that he's used to going against you know more of a physical size guy than a speed guy so how does he adjust to left tackle and then you got Raven at right tackle can he deal with I mean it would just be That, for me, above all else, offensive line injuries, especially the tackle position, is my number one concern with this football team. They have depth everywhere else except tackle. It scares the crap out of me.
1: Yep, and hopefully they go five for five. 16 for 16 again the way they did last year all five starters starting all 16 games it's just a lot to ask for not once but twice in a row from last year to this year and last year we actually had the depth we never had to exercise it this year we don't have the depth let's hope we don't have to push ourselves to the limit this year as we go from the o-line who probably have the worst depth on this roster to the linebacking core who maybe after only running back or maybe even better than running back have the best depth on this roster. When you look at this linebacker core, we're going to cut at least one, maybe two or three guys who are NFL players. When you look at the O-line, it's the complete opposite, where you're cutting guys who probably won't get picked up. this a linebacker in court, You're going to cut a guy who might start for somebody else at some point this season. We are so incredibly deep at this position. Definitely the best position, in my opinion, on the defensive side of the football. Arguably the top position or second position on this roster alongside the running back position. So you look at the starters. You look at the guys who are locks. Leonard, a lock. Walker, a lock. Okariki a lock. Some people are questioning if EJ Speed is a lock or not. I think he's a lock. I don't think there's a question about EJ Speed's future on this roster, at least for 2020. He is more of a project player. They took the flyer on him last year in the fifth round. They took a flyer on him making the roster last year. They never wanted to let him slip out of their grip. I would be stunned if they did this year. So I think there are four locks in the linebacking core. Leonard, obviously. Walker, obviously. Okariki, Speed. I think those four... Our locks, and then you're gonna have probably three guys competing for the fifth and sixth spots. You have Franklin and Adams, Zaire Franklin, Matt Adams coming back for their third season. Neither guy missed a game over the first two years of their NFL career. So 32 for 32 for Franklin, 32 for 32 for Adams. Both guys solid special teams contributors. But then you also have Jordan Glasgow coming in, a sixth round rookie for the Colts out of the University of Michigan, who has the potential to be a really solid special teams player in this league. He was a great special teams guy at Michigan and he has NFL bloodlines with two brothers in the pros. So if that level of productivity on Saturday could now come over on Sundays for the Colts and help the Colts out on special teams, he could definitely play either Franklin or Adams off this roster.
0: Yeah, and I think that's what's going to happen. I like Glasgow on this team. I think based on what I've seen from this kid, I think he's got Pro Bowl-type potential as a special teams player and i don't think you even risk losing something like that he can do everything on special teams he can block kicks he covers kicks you know i I just think he's going to be somebody that's he's a difference maker like and and people always talk about offense and defense but special teams is a third of the game and and you need difference makers on the first two and you need difference makers on the third one too there's you know you need you need guys that can go out and make plays. I mean, we saw last year our special teams was god awful. You know, our kicking was bad. You know, our 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 operation on 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 field goals was bad. We weren't, you know, we weren't great in special teams last year. I think this guy makes our special teams better, and I think he can play in a pinch at linebacker. Obviously, more of a special teams guy and, and more of a, a probably a project at linebacker. But I think he makes the team. And the other guy I have making the team is Franklin. Maybe it's my Syracuse bias, but I I like Franklin because, again, he plays special teams, but also you can move him around in the defense. He can play all three defensive spots, whereas Matt Adams is pretty much a Sam linebacker. You can't can't play him in the middle and you can't play him at will. So Franklin, he can play all three of those, and I think that's the reason why you keep him over Matt Adams. I think it comes down to Franklin and Adams, and I keep Franklin in that scenario.
1: Yep, I agree. So it'll be Leonard Walker, Okereke, Speed, Franklin, and Glasgow. I think Glasgow as well outplays Matt Adams and gets that final spot in the linebacking core due to his ability to play special teams. And that is really what Matt Adams is at this point. He's a special teams linebacker. So now you have Jordan Glasgow to make the roster as a linebacker but who will be able to make a big impact and a bigger impact than Adams made on special teams over the past two years. As we go from the linebacker position, which will be rounded off based on special teams ability to arguably the most important position on special teams, a position that absolutely killed the Colts last year. And that is the kicker Adam Vinatieri last year, who is no longer on the roster, but last year Vinatieri went 17 for 25 on field goals, kicking at 68%, and then 22 for 28 on extra points, which, in my opinion, is worse than 17 for 25 on field goals, kicking at 78.6%. So a 68% field goal kicker, a 78.6% extra point kicker. So sub-70 on field goals, sub-80 on extra points, absolutely unacceptable. We have Chase McLaughlin returning Battling the rookie Rodrigo Blankenship last year, Chase McLaughlin in Indy went 5 for 6. He was kicking at 83.3%. And then overall last year, because he did play for the Chargers and 49ers before getting to Indianapolis, overall was 18 for 23, which is 78.3%. So not great. You would like those numbers to improve. 83% is alright. 78% is low. So you would like to see that improve. 100% on extra points, which is great, and it was a huge upgrade from Venetari. But then you look at Rodrigo Blankenship coming in, who has much greater upside, in my opinion, Jason's opinion, the opinion of many, the undrafted free agent out of the University of Georgia. 80 for 97 over his career at Georgia, 82.5%, 200 for 200 on extra points, which obviously has to be taken with a grain of salt because the extra point gets moved back from college to the pros. So when you look at these two guys, unfortunately we haven't been there at camp. There is conflicting reports. One day McLaughlin seems to be better. The next day Blankenship seems to be better. McLaughlin has the advantage, having played in Indy last year, having NFL experience, and then Blankenship I think has the advantage of the higher upside, the higher ceiling, and the brighter future in the NFL.
0: Yeah, this is kind of a well, – first of all, I think this we're going to upgrade either way because last year was the worst kicking season I think I've ever seen. So whatever happens, I think we're going to be much better this year, whether it's McLaughlin or whether that is Blankenship. Now, if the Colts are looking for a guy that can make pretty much all his kicks from 45 in uh, and is consistent based on what we saw in Indianapolis last year, then they'll keep McLaughlin. I think he he's more of a short-term answer, not a long-term answer. Blankenship to me is probably not the safer pick because he's a little bit more inaccurate, based on what I've heard from camp. But he's got the much stronger leg. He's he's made I think he's made kicks from 57 and 58, and and he's kicking. I mean he's just got a stronger leg, and I think once he gets gets comfortable with you know the way the NFL game is played, and the speed of the game, and and with obviously with the guys that work on special teams with them, Luke Rhodes and and uh, Rigoberto Sanchez. I I, I think this kid, this kid is he's got the ability to be a special kicker. I know that's kind of funny to say actually, but I think he's 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 got the talent to be a Pro Bowl caliber kicker. So I would keep Blankenship. I don't think you risk losing somebody of his talent as far as kicking goes. So I think they keep Blankenship, but I would not be shocked if they kept McLaughlin. I think it's an upgrade either way. I think long-term Blankenship's the better guy, though, and I would roll with him.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think it's kind of a coin flip at this point. Plus, we're not at camp, so we can't really see these guys kick. And the reports aren't as consistent as other positions. Every day they're talking about Rivers. Every day they're talking about certain guys the kicking position seems to kind of be an afterthought, even though it really is a pretty big position battle on this roster right now. So I could see it going either way as well. McLaughlin has the experience. Blinkenship has the higher upside. So I could see it going either way, depending on what the Colts... I guess are looking for because we are a win now team. So you do want the guy who you feel gives you the best chance to win immediately. But do you see another Venetari because we rag on Venetari for how bad he was last year, but obviously the career he had was incredible and he's a hall of fame player. So if you see that type of career arc for blanket chip and you see a kicker, you really don't want to pass on. Maybe that's the Avenue you go when deciding, this kicking battle. So I could see it going either way. I think it's a huge battle in terms of this roster and guys that are competing right now to make it. But I agree with you, Jason. I could see it going either way as we pretty much wrap this thing up just two days until the final roster cutdowns. There's a bunch of guys that might be going on the PUP, guys that might be going on the IR to start the year. We already talked about Burton. You have other guys who are banged up like Kamoko hasn't played in about a year since that Kansas City game. He hasn't really had the snaps. He hasn't had the padded practices. Obviously, no preseason. So there's a bunch of guys like that where we don't know right now what the Colts are going to do with them. They're question marks so that affects us as we fill out our own 53 man rosters in anticipation for Saturday when we find out the final 53 for the Colts heading into week 1 against the Jacksonville Jaguars which is just 10 days away Jason it's right around the corner
0: it's crazy man the last the last part of this whole like crazy off season's kind of flown by so once i think once football started it's it's kind of flown by and now the regular seasons here and we're actually going to see some football and i'm excited man i'm excited to talk colts football and another year of for the culture podcast man it's gonna be a blast
1: yep and i cannot wait we're just again 10 days away that's my co-host jason spears i'm your host luke diamond and this is the for the culture podcast